Hi guys, welcome to the latest edition of the Banterflix podcast. I'm your host Jim McLean and for this episode we've dipped into the vault here at Banter HQ and re-released an interview I did back in 2017 when I caught up with film historian and cinepunk Robert J.E. Simpson to talk about the work of Jerry Lewis shortly after his death earlier that year. One of the films we talked about was Lewis's controversial 1972 feature The Day the Clown Cried, which to date has never been released. So to commemorate Holocaust Memorial Day, we thought we'd revisit that interview. But before you hear my chat with Robert, let's play a clip of one of my favourite performances by Jerry Lewis in The King of Comedy. Hi there. Morris, you will not believe who's coming down the hill. Jerry Langford, right? Right. Oh, Morris, please hold on. Jerry, would you please sign my order? Stop signing that magazine for me. Yeah. You're just wonderful. I've watched you your entire career. You're a joy to the world. Please, Morris, would you just please say something to my nephew, Morris, on the phone? He's in the hospital. I'm and sorry, I'm late. You should only get cancer. I hope you get cancer. So that's a clip of Jerry Lewis in action in King of Comedy. I'm joined now by film historian Robert J. Simpson. And Robert, we're going to talk not specifically, I know it's been quite a while since Jerry Lewis passed away, but since his passing there's been a lot of talk and some of our listeners might have heard about a certain feature, The Day the Clown Cried. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the film, the issues that arose from it, and the issues that have arisen since Jerry Lewis pretty much decided he didn't want anyone to see this film for as long as possible. Well, I mean, you say see as long as possible. It's currently, he donated his copy a couple of years ago to the Library of Congress in the United States with the one proviso that it wasn't shown to announce, I think it's until 2023. So basically, we've got a few years to which it is allowed to be screened, and that was always the way. I mean, obviously he had figured he will be dead by the time it comes out, and he was happy enough for it to be seen, but just not in his lifetime. I've always kind of felt... Um, it's a bit strange because Lewis completed the film and actually has a lot of promotional material from I think it was 1972. You can see him on interview shows chatting about it, talking about it. It's very definitely in production. There's behind-the-scenes footage of him shooting the film. He's talking about it coming out in a few months. So clearly he filmed it, he made it, he released it. And there's a number of people who claim to have seen it over the years, I think including Harry Shearer. It was screened to a limited audience and there has been some... Um, there is some kind of response. I don't think there's any like fully-fledged reviews written on the feature, but there is some viewers who have seen the feature when it was screened to a very limited audience a few years ago. Back in the 70s, yeah, um, there was a German TV station did a documentary about it a couple of years ago as well, and they, as part of their documentary, they released clips from the film. Um, and also some reenactments of sections of the film using some of the original actors, just now much more aged, and some some replacements as well so some of it has actually got out in the public there's also been releases of different versions of the scripts over the years as well so people have been able to read those there have been fans who've actually sat down and done their own versions of the film in many respects like people do know about it it's been talked about for years it's not really a secret project but it's one of those odd situations where Lewis himself had funded the film They'd made the film and then he got cold feet over it. Basically there was a response to him that basically persuaded him that he was doing a bad thing. So for those who don't know, the film is basically about um, this Jewish man who um, is a clown, professionally a clown, and he ends up in a concentration camp and he ultimately leads the kids in the concentration camp to the gas chambers. And Lewis himself is a Jew, 
Um, so it's very much in that line of Jews handling the Nazi atrocities um, and sort of taking an ownership over it. And I think that generally it's been felt... He said himself that basically he just... He judged it wrong, that it was inappropriate, that actually he couldn't make light of that situation. And actually, um, I think he's unfair on himself. No, it's not like a Mel Brooks take on, on sort of Nazism. It's not, it's not the producers. It's not springtime for Hitler. Um, it's something that's actually far more tender, far more serious, um, and, and far more subtle, I think. Now, if you Google it, you can find a, bit, a lot of stills online. You'll be able to see little clips... Um, there's about 30, 35 minutes of actual footage from the film has made its way onto the internet. So if anyone is really keen, they can sit down and watch probably about a third, a quarter of that film and get a real sense for actually what it feels like. And my sense of it actually is a really good piece of work. I think it's a really interesting piece of filmmaking. Um, he he doesn't play it all for laughs. There's definitely humour there, but a lot of it is played very serious. You've got Anton Diffring as the sort of the leader of the, of the German Guards, who was a great sort of Germanic actor anyway turned up in lots of, of sort of British films in the 60s and 70s um, he's in Doctor Who as well everyone's in Doctor Who at some point um, but I think Lewis, Lewis does it really well and I, I think it because his character is a client I think that's what people uh, I think that's what sort of got fixated on was that you have this funny character who's ultimately doing a bad thing but there's a reason why he's doing this bad thing and it's to make things easier for, for people who are actually going to suffer um, and when he does it, and you watch him, he, he you know he flits as Lewis does between that that bright humour and that dark sadness. And that's one of the things I think that you watch King of Comedy, right? King of Comedy. I'm so glad you brought up the King of Comedy. Well, we did a Cinepunk event on it last year. It was very very good. Um, King of Comedy is one of those things that I'm never. I don't know if I like that film or not because he's such an obnoxious little shit in it. But then he is playing himself, and yeah, he's openly admitted he's playing himself. But there's moments where, you know, he's on, and I think it's just it's too too much. But when you watch some of his other stuff, I watched um, I watched a bit of him and Wogan the other week. It's him talking to Terry Wogan, and he's going from being really, really serious to suddenly just pratfalling and buffooning and everything else. And he's able to, just in an instant, switch between the two. And you sort of realise that, that he ha- has those two depths within him. Even when you watch some of the interviews, that, that, that wonderful last interview thing that came on a while ago. <laughs> Why? It was a conventionally all get Why? <laughs> and I'm sorry, I, I know that it's just kind of... A lot of people kind of think that's just him being an ass. I actually think that's him... It's a brilliant piece of comedy when you look at it, and I think he knew exactly what he was doing with that interview. Because It's also, you know, it's a perfect case of, of a poor interviewer, really, who's failed to build any kind of rapport with his interviewee and has decided he's, <laughs> he's decided to spring things on thinking that clearly someone in their 80s will not be as mentally sharp as they are yeah. and clearly Jerry Lewis, like he still God bless him, had his faculties he must just slight, be slightly grumpier than usual but um, that's why I take it, maybe it's because I do do interviews from time to time, I'm, I'm technically trying to do one right now, but that's the way I take it, yes I see all the things you're saying but I also see that as being someone who's trying to, who's trying to has failed completely to build any kind of rapport with his interview. Definitely, I mean, he's not got a great rapport with Jerry Lewis at that point, but I mean, if you never had a bad interview, I I, I used to cite Brian Aldous as being the worst interview I ever did, um, who passed away actually just the other week as well. And 
like the start of that interview I had with Brian was a bit like that interview with Jerry Lewis. It just was not going well. I'd done research, but I hadn't didn't feel comfortable enough, and it just it jarred. But actually, we ended up getting on okay. You know, we had a laugh about it later on. Mine was Carl Weathers, and, I, and you know, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. But you know, you had a happy ending to yours. I didn't, but say no more. But we were we were talking about Jerry Lewis. Yeah. We were talking about king of comedy we will come back to the day the clown cried that is a tongue twister if ever there was one you're not sure if you like it i adore the king of comedy because it's one of those films it's so on scorsese like but yet it is when you look at it now it is quite quintessentially scorsese as much as i love jerry lewis i feel we will go off on a tangent about robert de niro it is one of my favorite de niro performances particularly in context of taxi driver and king of comedy and there's so many scenes that kind of mirror each other in that film like there's a sequence I have went off on a tangent now sorry but you've got me on King Comedy well, it's, 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 it's true I mean like but I think my problem with King Comedy is it's basically a film about narcissists and psychopaths and I've got had too many of those in my life to kind of want to really indulge in more films about narcissists and psychopaths and nobody comes out of that film well mm. and all the characters are so self-absorbed and I get that's the whole thing uh, you know and it feels very pertinent right now in our kind of Trumpian era um, absolutely but it's a really unpleasant film but Jerry Lewis in, in some respects to bring it back to Jerry is, is kind of brilliant um, I suppose he is kind of brilliant in it it's just so far removed from, from the guy that we know from the naughty professor it's so far removed from the guy who had this double act with Dean Martin which again I think now our generation probably finds absolutely baffling that these two guys were for a while the best of friends and did you know a series of great great productions together and then just drifted apart for, for years and years yeah it's it is strange we, it's it, if you haven't seen any other Jerry Lewis performance other than King of Comedy you would think that he's a kind of almost serious actor but when you look back at the screwball stuff that he did like he is the master of screwball mm. like I mean he is the master of, of the kind of decline and be able to, to, to fall and throw himself to the ground in a comedic fashion but do you think come, bringing back then to the, the day the clown cried mm. do you think then it, we look at this idea people have perception I think do you think then it was this idea that this guy this screwball comedy guy is going to create this film that deals with Nazism that deals with the Holocaust and isn't going to do it in a serious way and it's people judging things before they're even through the door I think if it had come out after King of Comedy we would ha- it would have come out I think if we'd done King Comedy first and we'd seen that, we would be much more accepting of, of what he was doing in, in, in Day of the Clown Crowd. I think it was just bad timing, got the wrong bit of PR, and it just stuck. And sometimes like when you're an artist of any kind and, and you hear you get a bit of negative criticism, sometimes it can stick, and it clearly stuck with him. And then he stuck to his guns. And, and to be fair, you know, there's a lot to be admired about doing that. Ultimately what he did was he created a property that has a taboo quality about it there's a mystery about it and it got people talking and so people talked about Jerry Lewis and they talked about his films and they've talked about this as a lost masterpiece for years and years and years and I think that's ultimately when it eventually comes out and it gets this massive Blu-ray 4K you know straight to your brain release in 20 years time um, people are going to fall in love with it and, and say it's a shame that he couldn't have had this out and enjoyed that audience while he was still with us. But then that, that brings me then to one of the main reasons I wanted to get you here, Robert, was do you think we, we should see this film? Do you think, like, I mean, with this idea that now that he's passed, we are going to have to wait till 2023? Because I know that's the kind of thing now, now that he's passed, people are mm. talking about, can we not just see this film now? Yeah. I, I have to be honest, I, I'm not in a rush 
to see the film. It's like no one has ever said to me, I'm really in the mood tonight to watch Schindler's List. <laughs> Films that deal with that subject matter, um, never re- I never really am in the mood. It's like sort of Saul. You never really want to watch that film. Sometimes you go, okay, I'm in the right mood. I will watch this film. I know it's been talked about. I know from the, the limited screenings that it's had, mm. people have talked that it is slightly ill-judged and that there is issues with with its approach but do you think that comes it comes down to the core of, of, of this idea we have the right to see this stuff do you think as a director as the, 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 the he has a right to then say well I've shot this film I, he, I, I, I don't I don't want it I don't want it screened I don't want people to see this film for a long long time or do you think it's a case that you know it's been shot it's been done just get it out there no he he produced it he um you know he stars in it he's, he's very much the auteur on it part of the problem as well the other problem is actually a legal problem um he never supposedly the rights were never properly cleared in order for them to do the adaptation of the story that it was based on the first bit of the payments were made the follow-up was not the film then got held up in a legal wrangle and that's probably actually what ultimately did it this other stuff came on board and i think that's been added to it and that's the mythology that we've got so there's a mythology about it and i think that that's what we buy into but then oh sorry i've I've caught you mid-flow but then you're talking about that mythology do we need to see it then do you not think there's a film a great classic we will never get to see it's like when people talk about oh like i'm just using it off the top of my head i know it's not a great comparison it's like when people talk about alien 3 just to mention gavin moriarty he always gets annoyed anytime we talk about this when the, the sequel that he wanted from aliens he's read the screenplay and that's he said that would be the masterpiece we needed to say well is it not better that it was never made that you never got to see that version of that film because it will always be better in your head than the fact that they say, do you think there's this mythology that, that builds up? And I'm going to come back to another random tangent decomparison. It's like the video nasties. I mean, you and I will have a, a mm. vague memory of the video nasties. We're old enough to just remember them near the end. But this idea of this was this film, this band list of films that, oh, I, and then once you could see them, they could never, like, driller killer stuff like that. We could, they were always worse in your head. They were always more powerful in your head than when you actually saw them. Do you think when people finally see this film, Considering the controversy that it has touted inadvertently, do you think it'll be because what was all that fuss about? Um, look, I mean, I, I remember when Cockroach Orange and The Exorcist came onto VHS for the first time when they finally got their UK proper release. And Cockroach Orange in particular was another film that, like um, Day the Clown Cried, uh, the director had decided wasn't going to be seen by the public. So Kubrick after a bit of fuss in the press in Britain back in the 1970s, said, OK, right, that's it. You're not allowed to screen my film anymore. And he took it away for 20-odd years until he passed and then it was allowed to be re-released. And that was his decision. And do you know what? That's fair enough. It did create a kind of um, an illicit quality to it, uh, an extra interest that probably there wouldn't have been. But I think it does still stand up as a bona fide classic, and it's one that I happily return to on a, not on a regular basis, you know, you're not that sociopathic. No, I don't have my drugs. Once a week. I mean, I've got a bowler, but no drugs. Um, but I do come back to that. And Exorcist is something, you know, we've talked about, you've had talked about recently on, on the TV show and the podcast and stuff, I'm sure. So, you know, The Exorcist is another one of those classics that actually we do appreciate today. And I think the day the client cried is not going to be any different. Um, it definitely is going to have a mythology. But then I'm also a film historian. You know, I've had to go digging for films in archives and I've had the excitement at discovering something that people haven't seen for, you know, 40, 50 years. And 
to gradually be able to release something to help that be seen by a wider audience. And I know that thrill as well. And it's part of the treasure hunt. And I think that's part of what Day of the Clown cried. It's like this little piece of treasure that we know is there. We've got all the evidence pinpointing to its location. We just haven't got a chance to actually see it for ourselves. And that's what's going to happen one day. And I think it's a nice thing. And I think it's nice that you have... a filmmaker who actually has an oeuvre that, that hasn't been fully exploited, a bit like Orson Welles. There are films that Orson Welles has shot that we have not yet seen. Um, and that's nice to think, you know, even after your death, that people are still finding something new. And then 10 years from now, you know, you can go back and reevaluate everything based on this new discovery. That's a good thing. It means we're still talking about Jerry well into his centenary. Yeah, I, I completely agree. On that note, we shall wrap things up, Robert, and I think that's perfect. We've talked about the day the clown cried, but we've also said you should go back and watch uh, King of Comedy. King of Comedy, absolutely. Perfect. Thank you very much, Robert. So that pretty much brings this podcast to a close. Hope you've enjoyed this dip into the vault here at Bandar HQ. We'll be back with a normal podcast next week. But for now, until then, goodbye. Goodbye.